0: This is the Healthcare Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. No industry, including sick care, can be fixed from inside. For Every one hour
1: that they spend on patient care, they're spending up to two hours on EHR data entry.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the MarketScale Healthcare Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. The patient care side of our industry is very segmented. Each niche has its own challenges and changes, and we often keep the conversation on this podcast very B2B, but today we're digging into an issue in one niche of our industry that really transcends just the business side of the conversations we have on here. We're breaking down the issue of elder abuse in the home, why it happens, and how to watch for it as a medical professional. I'd like to welcome Sheila DeSaw, Senior Director of Clinical Services at a frequent collaborator of ours, WRAA, the Western Reserve Area Agency on Aging. Welcome to the podcast, Sheila. How are you doing today?
1: I'm fine. Thank you for welcoming me.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. So I think it's important to get a better sense of your role at WRAAA and why it's important not only to the industry but to your organization as well. So walk me through your expertise um, at WRAAA and then we'll dig in a little more into the issue of elder care abuse in the home.
1: Well I've been, this is my second go-round at the area agency. I used to work here years ago as a care manager and an assessor. I left to pursue other opportunities and I came back in 2012 as a supervisor that was progressively promoted to the senior director position. So I I have nearly 30 years of experience working in the community with seniors, which is my, my love and my passion.
0: And when did you first notice or when were you first taught that elder abuse in the home was a real threat to senior care?
1: Well, I was probably first introduced to elder abuse while in undergrad. I did an internship at the local county department of Adult Protective Services. We were contacted to do an investigation On a case where an elderly person was being abused by her son, he basically was financially exploiting her, taking her money, not paying her bills. So she frequently had her electricity and her gas bills turned off to her home because of his negligence. So we had to kind of intervene and remove her from the home.
0: So it's pretty common for this kind of thing to happen in the industry?
1: It is. Unfortunately, you know, from July of 2017, there were a total of 17,579 reported cases of abuse, neglect, and exploitation received by our County Department of Jobs and Family Services. Of that number, 2,284 of the reports were abuse, um, physical, emotional abuse. 11,299 were neglect, and there were 2,996 reports of exploitation.
0: Which are uh, you know pretty troubling statistics, um, and this is something that you were obviously made aware of, and you had to interact with during your undergrad, like you said, and you've been in the industry for thirty plus years. So, what has changed in that time? If it was a problem then, and it's still a problem now, have you seen um, a lot of growth in this side of um, of healthcare? to combat the issue. Has it worked? What hasn't worked? Uh, you know, give us a status update.
1: You know, it is still a, a continued issue. And when I was an undergrad, it was in a smaller area. I went to Tuskegee University. So you were talking about a small silly city as opposed to being in Cleveland, which is a larger area. So it is still a big issue. We work closely with our county Adult Protective Services Department, so when we have a question about whether or not we really believe that this may be abuse, we have the ability of contacting them and reviewing a case with them to determine whether or not it's a case that needs to be open. What I've seen is you, you have more um, Adult Protective Services workers that are involved in the community. You have more um, agencies like the area agency that are being educated about the subject. We have continued education throughout our five-county area that reminds us and educates the staff on what to look for for abuse, neglect, and exploitation.
0: And you were an executive board member on the Consortium Against Adult Abuse for nearly seven years. What did you learn from that experience that you can then bring to WRAAA and to senior care in general? Um, what were some methods that maybe you learned there that you saw, okay, this isn't working to combat the issue, but let's try this? How have you personally had a hand in, in trying some new methods to really try and fight adult abuse?
1: Well, through the consortium, it was the consortium's responsibility to educate staff, families, legislators. The executive team worked really hard to pass policies and get information in front of the legislators to let them know the importance of having funding for the Adult Protective Services Department. One of the things that we utilized here at the area agency were some bookmarkers. We um, have bookmarkers that talk about how to report elder abuse, and it lists our five county area job and family services, um, APS phone numbers. And then on the back of it, it talks about the signs of elder abuse, what an elder abuse victim um, must be in our area. And we pass those out to our staff to remind them every day of what they're looking at and who to contact in whatever whatever county they're in, and also to educate our consumers and the family members. If you're seeing some of these things or you're experiencing some of these things, these are reasons to contact Adult Protective Services.
0: Have you noticed that those smaller kind of grassroots education campaigns have worked well for this issue and getting the message across?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, not only do we have professionals that attend our conferences because the consortium has an annual conference that reviews that goes over elder abuse annually. So not only do we have professionals that social workers and nurses that attend, but we also have judges, attorneys, um, financial people that are attending those trainings. And we've had some family members that have been interested in learning more about it and coming to get information
0: so let's dig in more to the professional training here uh, what kind of professional training goes into preparing caregivers for in-home elder care and how do you help them keep an eye out for signs of elder abuse I know you already mentioned the bookmarkers but in a more formal sense right how do you train and inform not only the professionals in the space but also other family and friends on the issue and you know how to watch out for it
1: where well, our care managers are licensed by the state of Ohio. So in order to get your license, you know, through your education, you're taught about elder abuse as well as child abuse. And then throughout various um, opportunities, staff are given refresher courses to attend continuing educations related to abuse. So we have the Consortium Against Adult Abuse who does an annual training. We have Benjamin Rose who does um, education on hoarding and other opportunities. So we have a lot of community agencies and within the area agency where we do trainings regularly on our with our staff to remind them of the things that they're supposed to look at. They all know as a licensed professional, they're mandated reporters. So they're required by law to say something if they see something. So a lot of them keep Keep on top of it on them, keep on top of it themselves, but also through the various trainings that are provided through the agency.
0: And that's great, right? To like have a group of professionals that are self motivated to keep an eye out for that stuff. It's not, you know, like, yes, it's part of their duties, but um you know they also it's also been ingrained in them from the beginning it's been part of their training and you know they know when they got into this space that obviously they're there to serve people and they're there to help people so i guess it helps to have that passion there too and to really care about your patients and to keep an eye out for those things on a really personal level right that that's what's motivating you
1: and then we you know we have a a great working relationship with the adult protective services staff So anytime we have a question about anything, we're able to just pick up a phone and contact them. And again, they'll review a case with us. They will give us more information that we need to kind of help
0: us through. So what are some of those main signs of elder abuse? You know, like if you had to set up a hypothetical scenario One of your professionals is going to the home checking in on the senior um, and they notice some things that feel off. What are some of the most common signs that there might be elder abuse going on in said home?
1: Some of the signs that you may see like within with physical abuse. You may see bruising, unexplained bruising or signs of injuries, scars. Um, the elder, elder may have broken bones, sprains, dislocations for unknown reasons. Emotional abuse, you may see threatening, belittling, or controlling caregiver behavior. Behaviors that from the, the elder person that mimic dementia. they'll be rocking a lot or sucking on things, mumbling to themselves. Um, sexual abuse, you may see bruising around their genitalia or unexplained vaginal or anal bleeding. Um, neglect can be anything from unusual weight loss, malnutrition, dehydration, um, untreated physical problems such as bed sores, unsanitary living conditions. They may be, they may have unsuitable clothing um, for the weather. So it may be winter outside, and they're, and we have snow and ice, and they're outside in their pajamas or barefoot, things like that financial exploitation it can be misuse of personal checks credit cards stealing of their income household goods a lot of times you'll see utility bills being shut off um, because the person doesn't have enough money to pay their bills those are some of the the signs that you would
0: you would look for do you think a lot of those I guess, moments where someone in the family could take advantage of the senior. Do you think that comes from the fact that there's less oversight, right? That because someone is being taken care of in the home by a family member, that, you know, there's there's more of a sense of trust, right, within the rest of the family that, oh, yeah, everything's going on according to plan, right? And And therefore, you know, you don't have a trained professional checking in, every few hours, every every single day. Um, is that one of the reasons why this happens to a lot of seniors being taken care of in the home? And then how does WRAAA try to intervene and you know, be those professionals that can get in that space and can help prevent something that's happening in the home?
1: Well, I think there's various reasons why you see um, situations like this happen within the home. A lot of times it is related to a family member that is doing this. Sometimes it's not, you know, it may be a neighbor or a friend down the street or something. It can be a caregiver. It can be family. Um, I don't think it's necessarily because there isn't professional oversight. One of the reasons we send our care managers into the home is so there, that there is someone in the home to, to, um, oversee what's actually going into the home. The difficulty with doing care management via other means and not necessarily in the home is that you don't get a chance to see what's going on. You know, by actually walking in the door, you get a chance to see the conditions of the home, the behavior of the elderly person, um, whether or not it's clean or unclean, whether or not there are You know, we had this one um, lady who had a gigantic hole at her front door. And she had the the hole covered up with a piece of wood and a rug. Um, And she was on a walker. So anything could have happened to her. And there was clutter all over the place, um, piled high. And the care manager had been there multiple times. And the last time that she went in there, because we were working with, at that point we were working with Adult Protective Services, there was an unknown gentleman that was in the home that just kind of walked past a door in the back way that she saw. So those are things that you don't see if you're not in the home. Those are the things we look for when we're trying to protect our seniors. Those are the important things that we need to be aware of. And we train our staff to not only listen to what the person is saying, but to look around in the environment. You know, get up and walk to the kitchen and see what's going on in the kitchen. Go to the bathroom and see what's actually going on in the bathroom. Because a lot of seniors don't want to leave their homes and they don't want to lose their independence. So they'll tell you anything But when you're actually there in the home, it tells you a different story.
0: So I think it's very commendable that WRAAA goes for that hands-on approach um, to combat this issue uh, because I know med tech is evolving and one of the biggest evolutions, especially I think in this realm of senior care, is technology that assists in either monitoring or security or in in helping get across those emergency messages. and it's interesting that w r a a takes a more interpersonal hands on approach to combat this issue and really just senior care in general. So what is the methodology within w r a a, and why is there so much importance being placed on being hands on as a professional instead of you know trying to provide tech services to to fill that gap?
1: um I, again, you know we we've been doing. We've been in this space for 30, about 30, 30 plus years doing care management in the home, and we found it to be quite successful for the various reasons I've mentioned being able to actually see what's going on in the home. You know, I, I think there's nothing wrong with technology. I think technology is very helpful, very beneficial to a lot of people. I think one of the things that get lost with our seniors is that they're not as tech savvy as our younger generation or our, our new millennials that are coming up. They're not as tech savvy, so they don't know how to maneuver necessarily through all the technology. Some do, um, but those that do aren't necessarily needing a lot of hands-on assistance at home either. So I think that's something that we have to, to keep in mind we found just being able to to keep that hands on one on one touch with individuals has been very helpful the seniors because they're isolated in their homes they value that visit from their care manager they develop a relationship with their care manager and they know that their care manager is there looking out for their needs so a lot of things that they may keep from their families or not want to share with their families about losses that they have, they may share that information with their care manager, knowing that they will be able to assist them in resolving those issues. So whether it's, you know, getting rails for their bathtub to have the aid be able to help them get in and out of the tub or having a ramp to the home because they haven't been able to get out of the home to go to an appointment on their own, or it's been difficult for them to get out of the house. And then having a ramp put into the home that will allow them to be able to have that independence to get out more. So I I think it's the, the, the touching, the knowing that I have someone that I can talk to, someone that's here to see about me, to make sure I have everything that I need. You know, we do use some technology and we give them emergency response buttons where. If they have a fall, they can push a button and get some assistance. The state is looking at an electronic verification system that's going into the homes where we can verify that the aid has been there, the times that they have been there, the time that they left. We're hoping that that's gonna be quite successful. And so we, we utilize technology some, but again, we still believe that, that there's nothing that can replace the the personal touch, someone actually being there face to face.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree, especially in this stage of someone's life, right? When you are a senior, um, I feel like the best care and the way to help keep those patients optimistic and positive comes from personal care. I mean, you don't want to feel like you're you're being relegated to just a, a camera or um, to some kind of technology that you ring when you need assistance, but, you know, do the people really care about wanting to check in on you? Um, yeah, I guess it's about getting that culture across more. Yeah. And I know that this topic of elder abuse can be really demanding and demotivating for professionals. I mean, it's it's a consistent negative thing that you have to keep an eye out for. How does WRAA help keep their professionals optimistic, passionate, and engaged on the subject. Um, Because I think oftentimes, you know, the the provider or the caregiver can be forgotten about sometimes. I mean, they have to deal with that trauma in a different way, but, you know, it it still stacks on. You know, you you can only see so much of that before it's like, wow, okay, this is really starting to get to me. So how do you help keep professionals, you specifically, and then just the organization, help keep them optimistic and, and passionate about what they're doing?
1: You know, we, we encourage staff to take care of themselves. We offer a generous, you know, time off policy. And it's really because we know the demands that our staff go through on a day in day out basis. Um, we also offer a lot of wellness opportunities here at the area agency for our staff, whether it's yoga or Tai Chi or um, eating healthy, um, exercise opportunities. so we really encourage our staff to take take care of themselves. Within care management, because it can be very taxing, what we will do is if we have a care manager that is dealing with a difficult case or have dealt with a few very difficult cases and we see that maybe it's starting to take a toll on them, we'll look at their caseloads. And sometimes we shift cases to kind of give the person a break. We encourage them to take a couple days off um, just to take care of themselves. So those are some of the things that we do, but we, we, we in care management try to make sure that we give a person a balanced caseload, not just a caseload full of difficult cases or demanding cases, but we try to balance that out with some cases that aren't as demotivating or demanding. You know, so we may have, they may have cases where you have very involved family members from a case where there is no one involved in the case. Um, We just look at trying to make sure that they're balanced out. And then we have, you know, within each of the teams, they have potlucks and social opportunities to kind of talk things out and engage and relax and, and, and be able to remember why they're doing what they do. You know, because a lot of times with care management, especially when you're talking about community based care management, it's kind of a a passion, a calling. Not everybody can do that type of work. Not everyone can go in and out of people's homes. And so you have to have really a, a passion for it, a calling for it in order to do that. And then know when you when to come in and say, you know, I've had a member that passed or I've been dealing with this for a while and i kind of need a break
0: yeah i mean it's very important to keep those professionals engaged with what they're doing and you know understand the the kind of mental toll that it can all take um because you know those seniors that wr is helping take care of rely on those professionals to be passionate and to To, like you said earlier, want to help from a very personal place, not just feeling like they're fulfilling their duty, but keeping an eye out for those warning signs because they really care about the people they're serving. So, yeah, it's it all ties back in. Right. It's important to keep your seniors healthy. It's important to keep um, your professionals healthy. Um, It's a very symbiotic relationship for sure. Well, Sheila, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and giving us this rundown of the issue of in-home elder abuse, what to watch out for, how professionals are combating the issue, and then how you keep your professionals passionate about what they're doing amongst all that negativity, right? Um, I think, yeah, I think it all comes down to to that passion for the people you serve. And I definitely felt that from you. And I feel that from WRAA every time I have y'all on the podcast. So it was great getting to chat and looking forward to our next one.
1: It was nice chatting with you.
0: And thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the MarketScale Healthcare Podcast. And if you like what you heard and would like to listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast